Welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and the innovation ecosystem. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First up, we're going to find out about the launch of storytelling app JamBios with founder Beth Carvin and spokesperson Henry Ian Cusick. And of course, we'll talk about cybersecurity with Jake Ross and Reynold Hioki, and we'll learn about the upcoming summer cyber camp, Gen Cyber, and Cyber Patriot. But again, first off, we want to welcome Beth Carvin and Henry Ian Cusick to tell us here all about JamBios. Welcome, both of you, to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Now, you know, uh, Beth, you've been doing a tech company on Kauai for a while, and uh, I, I kind of want to know a little bit about uh, how this JamBios project came about, and how did you scoop a guy like uh, Henry Ian Cusick <laughs> to, to, to be a part of it? Pretty lucky, uh, I'm, I am for sure. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, I've been in the tech business for a long time. Uh, my other company that I run, Knobscott Corporation, is an HR um, HR software company. I've been doing that for 17 years in the B2B space and have been really interested in the consumer side. So I've uh, been playing around with different ideas and the Jambios one is one that just really felt like it was the right thing, something that could be really useful out there and helpful. And uh, so started putting that together and had a um, really great opportunity with Henry and Cusick. Hello. Um, so he can tell a little bit about how we met. So we met in a kind of unorthodox fashion. Um, my wife and I, Annie, we were looking for a house in Kailua. Mm-hmm. And we saw this very beautiful house. And the, the realtor was there along with the owner of the house, who just so happened to be Beth Carvin. Ah. And we were talking um, just about this and that. And um, I had just finished a film called Rememory. Uh, first of all, Je- uh, Beth was talking about Jam Bios, and I said, that's so interesting. I've just done a film called Rememory with uh, Peter Dinklage, and it's just been accepted to Sundance. And it was about um, a man who had invented a machine that captures memories and replays them. Then it turns into a whodunit. But hmm. the moment I mentioned that, and the fact Beth was talking about Jam Bios, and it's about reminiscing, and then... It was a kind of a woo-woo moment that we, were, we certain, certainly felt a connection. And my wife, Annie, Annie Cusick-Wood, who's a theater director, who unfortunately can't be here today because she's directing a play in China. Wow. But um, she and Beth just started spouting ideas, going back and forth. back, And it was just like we just sat there for quite some time just talking about this. And one thing led to another. And then Beth asked us if we would be interested in joining. And, you know, for me, this was and for my wife, who's just full of ideas, and, and we're very committed to Hawaii and Kailua and mm. um, local startups. And it was just such a new and unique uh, thing for us to do. We just jumped on it, and, and we're learning so much and having so much fun doing it. And we just think it's a fantastic thing as well. So, so what uh, was that pitch, Beth? What was the magical <laughs> idea that you said? What, what's that? You know, you have this opportunity to share your story. How did you make it? Uh, yes, sure. Um, I mean, what Jambios is all about is about remembering. And uh, so it's really about remembering and writing your life stories, but doing so in a more modern way and together collaboratively with your friends or family. And so, again, you know, just talking to Ian about what we did and then his his film that was basically describing a Jambios of, you know, an inventor who made a machine to, that would capture all your memories. And I said, my God, that's Jambios. So it was pretty incredible. But um, yeah, Jambios is really all about for people to be able to have that that joy of remembering, of reminiscing, of thinking back um, to the different stories of your life, whether it's something really 
you know, rather mu- mundane, like um, your different houses that you lived mm-hmm. in, or uh, maybe some of the pranks that you pulled in school, mm-hmm. or any any different like crazy things, or it could be things about your great grandparents. And um, as you write your stories and whatever you want to write in your memories, uh, it's a way to keep all of those together in one place. So how would that differ from a blog or, mm. or you know, maybe if you're high Cusick on Twitter and you're documenting your experiences day to day and sharing stories? I mean, how is it different uh, as any other way that somebody might just say, I'm going to tell my story today? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'd say two things. One is that um, in those different other uh, media forms, things get lost. So maybe throwback Thursday, you write out your memories and you have a blast with your friends on Facebook, but then it's gone. And if you're lucky, Facebook will algorithm will someday pop that up and say, here's that memory again. Mm -hmm. And so we all have these memories that are all over the place in different venues, maybe an email that you sent to somebody. But with Jambios, it's all in one place in a format. It's a literary format. So it's by chapters and sections. So all your memories are kept in one place. And the other real difference is the collaborative nature. So a blog would be like a journal, which is great, like an online journal. But with jam bios, after you write something, if I write something about some crazy things we did in college, I can then go ahead and invite um, my college roommate to add uh, her stories or her memories of those events. And what's amazing is is that people remember different parts of the story. So after I write whatever I write, um, she might come up with something that's like, oh, wow, I totally forgot about that. And it, it's just it's sort of brings you this joy of remembering that. I think that's one of the things about memories is we tell a memory and then we tweak it sometimes when we just speak it. And then we tweak it again. And before you know it, it's become a completely different thing to the when it, to what actually happened. And mm-hmm. that was part of the thing that when you invite somebody in, you say, well, actually, I was there. And this is how it happened. You know, so you can have like contrasting, uh, you know, it's all perspective. So, you Ian, were, were there opportunities where you could brainstorm with Beth and sort of help co-create the idea of what went into Jambios? When we came along, it was pretty much Beth had already sort of set it up as a as a reminiscing sort of uh, platform. But my wife um, added certain things or, or yeah. the whole um, children because my wife works in uh, HTY a lot. She mm-hmm. works with children and she thought, wouldn't it be great for, for kids to be doing this as well? So mm-hmm. she added that sort of um, side to it. And Annie's very, um, when she has an idea, she'll just bounce all over the place with it. I'm a little bit more guarded and say, well, what do you think of this? <laughs> but she'll just go, this is what it is. And so those two, they, they just sort of like bounce all over the place. There's a lot of ideas and um, I'm a little bit more in the back seat. But um, Annie, Annie is amazing. And she, Ian's right. I mean, she has an idea. I thought I was an ideas person, but Annie is like a million ideas a minute. And she was so into the concept that... She got it completely. Almost yeah. immediately she was saying, oh, Auntie Living, Granny Livingston yeah. and all your aunties and who you can keep this for and your kids and, and, and a legacy for all these. You know, what would be amazing is 20 years time and, and things that you've kept, the stories that my kids might, you could read mm-hmm. of me writing as a 50-year-old man you know, um, capturing that voice of of, of that certain age of of who I was then. Yeah, I like to think think of it as like, think about if you had the opportunity to come across in some old dusty attic and you came across your great-great-grandfather's journal. You know, wouldn't that be the greatest thing in the world? Well, I I also saw some examples like maybe your family would take a road trip every year, but your experience of it versus your three-year younger sibling versus your mom versus your dad, they all probably have a different story to tell. And have it all in one place is attractive. And I would say I like that you pointed out that Facebook might have it, Twitter might have it, but it's not exactly a medium that's conducive to finding all of that, whereas now people might be putting more more 
more and more of their things into things like Instagram and not taking the time to write a story. Yeah, another another real piece of it is the the permanence aspect. One of the things that I noticed, and of course everyone has noticed, is that things are becoming so transient. And mm-hmm. you look at Snap, Snapchat, and I mean it's going the opposite. Things are coming and going away, and there's mm-hmm. nothing that's more solid and meaningful and permanent. And so Jambios is hopefully uh, capturing that opportunity to for things that are a little bit more. Um, I don't know, serious, but something that you may want to say for longer than two seconds. So is, is Jambios primarily uh, something that you interact with via your mobile device or is it a desktop uh, application? Um, well, it can be either, but we see desktop uh, partly because some of our audience is an older audience, but also because it's story-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you can add photos and other things, other images, but it is, um, it's a written format. So if you if it takes you two hands and ten fingers to type the way it does for me, mm-hmm. then you'd probably want to use it on your desktop. But for folks who are great with their thumbs, you know, go for it. Now, um, I see a lot of the attention to, you know, things that you want to remember and maybe stories from tr- your childhood. Uh, Ian, you know, my wife and I are big fans of your work on Lost. Thank you. Absolute favorite character. And then, of course, The 100. And they just announced that you're cast in uh, The Inhumans, which That's I correct. believe is also filming in part here. <clears throat> we, yes, we finished shooting on Sunday. Whoa. This, this Sunday okay. it's going to wrap the whole thing. So would Jam Bios be a platform perhaps uh, to tell stories as they're happening, as like this is what happened today on set, for example? I, uh, maybe not as it's happening because all these shows are super secretive. I've mm, never, that's true. Inhumans is probably the most secretive show I've ever been on in my life. Wow. Way more than Lost. More than Lost. Way more than Lost. Um, but certainly after, you know, you could, um, uh, you could, uh, for example, I had no the story you were telling as I entered that you were a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was it. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I busted you there. Yeah, I'm only joking. Right. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, just like the stories, like, uh, people I meet who, who I've met in, for example, um, uh, what's his um, the, the Sultan brothers. Oh, yeah. oh, Tarek uh, Sultan. No, no, not Tarek. The other uh, one. Omar. Omar, Omar, Omar Sultan. Omar. And I met him recently and he said, oh, yes, I, I've met you before because he was in an episode of Lost um, – uh, that we shot at uh, the Irish bar. And, wow. and I just thought that would be a cool little Jambio story yeah, of two, like different how, perspectives. two business perspectives, how we you know spent the same scene together. So, Ian, you know? have you started your Jambios I ha- sort I've, of content? I, I have started it with them, um, and it's kind of lost based at the moment. Wow. Now, are, are, so there is a social media component to this, right? So you can actually invite people to be well, a part of your story? Or, well, um, or how is that? It's initially, it's private by default. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. another thing that's reverse of a Facebook sure. kind of a thing. It is private by default, and you choose what parts you'd like to open up. Mm-hmm. So you might you, you know write some things that are more personal, that you're just enjoying this reminiscing with a catharsis of remem- remembering that you want to keep to yourself and other areas that you would uh, like to open up to friends and family and other people. So you choose who you would like to contribute to your stories and you choose who can you'd like to read your stories. Fantastic. So well, you guys are on your uh, launch right, right now? I mean, we are. It has just gone uh, the, uh, open for the public uh, to be able to register. There's no cost. It's free to use. And, uh, and if this sounds interesting to any, anyone, we welcome Check you to out. get in there. And, we, and we're looking for feedback. Uh, uh, let yeah. us know at... Uh, What's Hello the name it. of that website? What's that yeah. address? It is www.jambios.com. But let Ian say it because he'll say it better than I do. www.jambios.com. You see Perfect. what I mean? That is fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad it's recorded. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Beth and Ian for joining us today. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much. Thank and you. of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be talking about cybersecurity with Jake Ross and Renault Hiyoki. Don't go away. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Nohea Gallery, and Straub Medical Center. It seems like whatever I'm listening to at the time is my favorite. For instance, yesterday I totally loved a Radiolab story that made me feel like I wasn't alone in the world. Somebody who'd gone through the same things I had. And then I listened to Wait, Wait and had a driveway moment that I just couldn't leave the car. Aloha, I'm Carol Kahn from Pawilo on the Big Island and I'm a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe. Now joining us are Jake Ross and Renaud Hioki. Jake is a cybersecurity professional and one of the co-founders of CyberHui. Renaud, meanwhile, is a cyber patriot mentor and a Hawaii State Cybersecurity Coordinator. And, of course, uh, why are we building such a capacity for cybersecurity in Hawaii? Jake and Renaud, we want to welcome you both to Bike Marks Cafe. Hey, thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks for having us on here. Appreciate the opportunity. Now, I got to see some of uh, you guys both in action in uh, sort of an awards program. That I think it was the uh, Cyber Patriot Awards over at Sacred Hearts. And uh, you guys were, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of activity going on in this whole area of getting kids interested in this whole field of cybersecurity. Uh, maybe give us a little a little background on what is your role in this sort of, you know, pipeline for students uh, in, in cybersecurity. Jake, you can, you can go ahead and start. Sure. So I feel like um, for CyberWho is our, our organization, we've, we're trying to be like that, that uh, connective tissue to all the different types of uh, competitions out there, CyberPatriot being one of the big ones that we, that we participate in. Uh, we also partner with some other organizations like GenCyber and just bringing those, uh, letting people know that those, uh, those opportunities are out there that, and we're, we get the, the resources out to the students, uh, whether that be through teaching, um, supplying mentors, or or just you know ha- having people reaching out to people to, to volunteer for them or financially. I mean that that's kind of like our, our part is to kind of be that connective tissue and guide people and, and mm-hmm. you know be the um, like the o- oversee things. But mm-hmm. uh, we we try not. We, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, but for Cyber Patriot for that that award ceremony was it's important for us to kind of bring the students back in and see like show the successes that they had. So Lelihua GROTC went all the way to the finals, the mm-hmm. Cyber Patriot finals, and there was over how many people were in the the Cyber Patriot nine competition? It was like four thousand worldwide wow. or something? It was uh, three thousand four hundred this year. But in that nine so they did very well. They went to Maryland for a few days and participated in the competition and I believe they placed fourth in, in their category. So it's really impressive and we wanna we wanna show those successes out to people and mm-hmm. see like these opportunities exist, you can do it and you can be do well at it with, with, with help from the community. And Reynold, you're you're with the, the state's Department of Defense. How did you kind of get involved with uh, some of this cybersecurity development? Uh, for, the, for the students. Yeah, so real quick, uh, just retired from the uh, Hawaii National Guard, the Air mm-hmm. National Guard, uh, after 31 years, and uh, needed something to fill in the void on the weekends and at nights. Uh, so basically, as the state cybersecurity coordinator, I'm very interested in cybersecurity, uh, workforce development, and our kids, as well as other areas. Uh, but with uh, CyberHui, and you know, Jake is the president of CyberHui, uh, kind of kind of filled my void very well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now, instead of doing National Guard things, I do cyber security things with the youth. So cyber hui, I mean, that's a, a hui of various companies, organizations that want to contribute to 
uh, various schools in terms of providing them with with uh, availability of mentors? Right. Right now, we're a domestic nonprofit. We're working on 501c3. Mm-hmm. Our main partners are through Cyber Patriot, through Gen Cyber, through ISC Square. They have a safe and secure online that Mark Masuno runs. ICOM, I think we had uh, Bob Monroe before, a uh, hacker high school guy. I think he might have been on mm-hmm. before. So they do. They have Bob says we have the curriculum, we have um, testing, we have uh, virtual labs that they can work in. So we try and bring all these people together to, and say like this is out there. Also scholarships, internships, apprentice, apprenticeships through um, AFSIA. I know Linda Newton was on the other yes, day. Yes. She had like. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was like five hundred thousand dollars in scholarships that are out right, there. Right, right. So, and they they needed people to sign up and and you know qualify for those. What I a mean, problem yeah, to have! Yeah, how much money? Giving away the money. So just just to be out there in the community and say you know, be the advocate for that. Mm-hmm. Now, Reno, I mean, uh, it seems clear now, especially watching the headlines, that cybersecurity is a probably growth industry. Um, is there any challenge did you see in terms of making the case? to other people in terms of the value of creating this this pipeline and the, these opportunities for our next generation in cybersecurity? Yeah, so what I tell people is, uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was probably a lot, a little too early for all of this. Mm-hmm. 10 years from now, it's going to be way crazy, way too late. Way too late. Mm-hmm. And so right now, it's a good time to start. Uh, what we don't see right now are people actually getting killed because of cybersecurity. Uh, you know, things are being taken, uh, medical records are being stolen, uh, energy companies are being shut down mm-hmm. in uh, uh, outside of the United States. But it's going to get to a point where people are going to start feeling even more and more pain compared to in cybersecurity. And, and that's when it's probably going to be too late. So what we're trying to do right now with CyberHui and everything else is to convince people. And part of that is really to just help them out. So as Jay was talking, CyberHui actually provides funding mentorships, uh, uh, volunteers to kind of get the word out and at the uh, youth level to get them going and learning about all of this because it's not, never too early to have uh, an interest and an uh, opportunity to learn about cybersecurity. Now, there is an, the, a pipeline that's being created, but the pipeline is being driven by a need to fill some profes- professional positions in this area of cybersecurity. Can you tell us about what that uh, what those organizations are and, and and they're the primary drivers for wanting to fill this pipeline. So there is actually a lot of organizations working this right now. Uh, I just I just spoke spent about an hour about two two hours ago with Jody Ito mm-hmm. at uh, University of Hawaii. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the chief information security officer for the University of Hawaii system, which is all the campuses. And so I know her and Steve Arbach are are building the pathways, the on ramp, the off ramps to come into the cybersecurity profession from K through 12. In fact, I, I learned a new acronym, uh, P through 20. Okay. So everything <laughs> from you know, preschool all the way to graduate level and beyond. And you have to put that infrastructure in place so when people come in, they can, they can basically take an on-ramp, and then uh, eventually they will get into the workforce. And even in their workforce, you want to have additional workforce development. So uh, there, there's, there's that opportunity. Now, what we're... What we're working at right now is kind of the informal side where you have cyber patriot, cyber camp, things that kids can work from uh, K through 12 right now. Mm-hmm. So that's another uh, pathway that kids can take. And that's really what uh, jo- Jake and I are really interested in. Now, Jake, um, when I think about cybersecurity and working with students, you know, there are a lot of really uh, 
great STEM programs now, even talking about programming and coding and problem solving uh, to make sure that we, our, our students are prepared for the future. But a lot of it sounds to me like it requires technology. It requires equipment. It requires, if you're going to teach cybersecurity, maybe you need firewalls and Dell servers to hack against and things like that. Are, is this type of education resource intensive? And if not, I mean, where does that piece of it come from? Right. There are- there probably are more barriers to entry than something like coding, which can be done offline through just through logic. But th- those resources exist. There's a lot of stuff online. Maybe if the online part is a, the hardest part, if the online being getting online is your hardest is your biggest issue. Then, then I mean, then everything else is gravy because mm-hmm. there's virtual labs that exist. And one of the, one of the projects that we're trying to work with is trying to get a establish a, a standard virtual lab, virtual environment that we can land in the school or mm-hmm. host virtually at. Um, online in the cloud in one of the big data centers here and then give people access to those systems with, with some tutorials and sure, curriculum. Sure. So that, we don't want that. I mean, we don't, you, you can't go out and buy the Cisco blah, 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 right. firewall or Palo Alto Next Generation. Or, so we can bring those systems, those um, resources in and, and partner with the community. Like the big like, technology partners here, they want to participate. They want to be put their name on things mm-hmm. and, and show that, hey, we're giving back to the community and you know th- this is how good we are as a part of their marketing. So we like to take them up on those offers. You know, I know there's a, a bunch of programs coming up this summer uh, that uh, I, I know you folks are very much a part of. We want to talk about that. We want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after the short break to continue our conversation with both Jake Ross and Reynold Hioki about Cyber Camp and Gen Cyber and all that good stuff. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Inter-Island Solar Supply, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozal, and we're talking to uh, Jake Ross and Ronald Hioki about CyberCamp, GenCyber, and cybersecurity education. Now, right before the break, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the cyber camp that's coming up. But, you know, from a professional standpoint, there are jobs. I mean, there. this is probably one of the few areas that somebody could get, have a degree and actually go into it in Hawaii. They're looking for people. Who are these people that are looking for cybersecurity professionals? So, uh, you know, I, I meet with a lot of these uh, on, a, on a recurring basis. Uh, NSA is definitely right there on top. Uh, our our banking industry, financial sector guys out here are mm-hmm. looking. Uh, the university systems are looking, uh, and it, and it just goes on and on. Uh, the demand is high, and it continues to grow. And uh, compensation is actually pretty good. So this is probably where if you if you have a degree and you want to get a you know eighty thousand dollar a year job, I mean this is probably the place to be. So what I tell people is the average person in cybersecurity makes about a hundred thousand. Oh, okay. So to get that eighty thousand, you don't even have to be average. You just have to sneeze <laughs> cybersecurity, and then you're there. Now, Jake, is a higher education degree pretty much the primary or best pathway for this? I know that uh, in many cases, like even through Honolulu Community College and their PCAT program, there's a lot of apprentices, apprenticeships, and things like that where you might not get a four-year college degree in cybersecurity, but you do learn relevant skills. Is that still a reasonable? Path Pathway. It, it is a reasonable pathway. I mean, it wasn't the pathway that I took. I, I came up through the Air Force, and it was more of like a vocational training mm-hmm. that than an apprenticeship and journeyman and through master craftsman kind of thing. So I think that there's that the academia is one way to go, but academia in college isn't isn't for everyone. So uh, we're industry we're industry that's driven by certifications, mm-hmm. uh, by clearances, and by past experiences. You can draw your own experiences 
you don't have to land a, a job at a Fortune 500 company. You can do bug bounties are out there. A lot of companies have bug bounties like <coughs> bug <coughs> bounties. <coughs> Excuse me, bug bounties. So they'll you find problems in their software or their applications, uh-huh. and they'll reward you for it if you do a responsible disclosure. Oh. So United Airlines gave away like one million miles, United miles for someone who disclosed a vulnerability. Are these uh, bug bounties posted somewhere? Is there a clearinghouse for bug bounties? The, they're normally through the business or the or the company. So United has their own. Google has a, has a big program. The Department of Defense has a hack the hack the Pentagon or hack the Army, and that's done through Hacker One, which is one of these uh, uh, bug bounty companies. Oh, and they'll say if you find something, you register with us first. You find something, you bring it to our attention, and we'll reward you mm-hmm. ac- accordingly. So tell us about the uh, cyber camp that's coming up. So we got. You want to take that? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> real quick. So uh, we never really had a cyber camp in this state before, although they've been doing this for uh, many years. So uh, uh, Debbie Kula at Sacred Hearts Academy okay. approached yeah, me Debbie, yeah. and said, hey, can we have a cyber camp? So we thought maybe we could have a couple, maybe five. Uh, turns out this summer we have 17 cyber camps uh, throughout the state uh, from Hawaii Island uh, through the chain up to Kauai. Uh, the first one started this week at uh, Highlands Intermediate School. And I'm happy to say that they have 60-plus students in their cyber team. Now, okay, so back up. How does an idea that Deborah has, and she says, hey, we got to have a cyber camp, and all of a sudden it goes from one idea to 17 schools having, you know, having uh, this, this camp be rolled out? I mean, it doesn't just happen with a click of a finger, right? So, you know, I, I, think, <laughs> I think in the cybersecurity profession, uh, the world out there, uh, this is a time for cybersecurity professionals. Okay. Again, I talked to 10 years ago. It was probably a little too early. But, uh, yeah, so we have coordinated collectively uh, through CyberHui uh, through all the locations. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, university professors in here. We got professionals from the D- Department of Defense. Everyone has come together to support this, uh, these cyber camps, and uh, it's all voluntary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty neat program watching the, com- the community come together to support something So like real this. quick, what do you actually cover in a cyber camp? So CyberCamp is really designed, there's a thing called CyberPatriot. So CyberPatriot is the cybersecurity sport, and that's just like a regular sport mm-hmm. uh, during uh, the school year. CyberCamp is to prep the kids that really don't have much experience but want to maybe go to CyberPatriot. So uh, it's really to spin kids up to get them ready for CyberPatriot. And what's covered really is uh, basic cybersecurity principles, mm-hmm. uh, Windows uh, 7 workstation, how to harden the workstation, how to, how to make it so that people can't uh, break into it, uh, Linux, Ubuntu, and a little bit of networking. Mm-hmm. So when, even though we call it a camp, we're probably not because there's probably not going to be campfires and s'mores? Or? Yeah, that's not good for the computers. So <laughs> they, but there is a virtual image. The, most of the camps are going to be supplying computers, and you have a, a VM, a virtual machine that you work on throughout the camp to kind of reinforce the ideas that are being taught. And at the end of the camp, of the, f- the fifth day or the, l- the last four hours, you're going to have a competition to kind of just see how well you do. Mm-hmm. And hopefully th- th- this kind of builds, a, builds everybody up, and they want to participate in CyberPatriot 10 which is going to be coming up after the summer. Now, is uh, Gen Cyber going on right now too, right? Right. Gen Cyber is coming up. I mean, they're going on right now. They they have camps all over in in Big Island and Maui and and on Kauai as well as as here. Mm -hmm. And they're a little different focus. The cyber camps that we are putting on, the 17, are focused on Cyber Patriot. Mm -hmm. Gen Cyber have their agenda and they do like cabling. They do some programming. They do a little bit of everything. They do a scavenger hunt. It's, it's a really good program. It's, it's completely free. It's a National Science Foundation grant that puts it all on and a partnership with the NSA. And is the cyber, cyber camp also free? Well, what is, what's the cost for that? So <clears throat> cyber camps are, are all free. 
But it's it's really uh, as, as cyberhood. We don't have really control what uh, schools are doing. So uh, generally, every cyber campus free of the seventeen. Uh, Although uh, I will say that CyberHui got involved to bring the cost down from a couple that were going to possibly charge a couple hundreds of dollars. Wow. So we, we helped them out. We did some coordination, and, yeah, all of the camps are free. So if somebody was interested in these programs, presumably they would work through a school. But if they wanted to learn more, perhaps bring it to their school, where can they go for more information? Right. So we'd drive, like to drive everybody to our website, CyberHui.org. Uh, we have uh, information on the camps there, cyber camps. We have a news feed there. We also have um, – Facebook. That's primarily our social media feed is through Facebook. Okay. Fantastic. Sounds good. We'll put that up on our show notes. Jake Ross is with Cyber Hui and Renaud Hioki is a mentor over at Cyber Patriots. Both are organizers for the summer cyber camps. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Next week, we're going to be talking about the recent King Tides. And, of course, if you miss any part of this, this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at BiteMarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And, of course, we'll see you here back next week with another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. To those who